right, hi everybody. It is September 11th, 2023. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Uh, you may have noticed we did not cold open for you today. We did not throw it in today because it is the anniversary of 9-11. I wanted to uh, share some thoughts up top. Uh, as many of you know, and as I've written about, uh, I lived in New York City during 9-11. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy to me that 22 years have passed since then. As I mentioned on the show all the time, at least in my life, the years seem to be going by a lot faster lately. Maybe that has something to do uh, with fatherhood. I'm not sure, just life seems to just move and move and move, the endless scroll, all of that stuff. Uh, so we are gonna do a normal show today, but we're gonna kind of frame it around 9-11, maybe some of the lessons uh, that we did learn, that we should have learned, that we could have learned, and how not to repeat some of the mistakes that we've made in the last 22 years, because it does seem like uh, the country and, and maybe the world is kind of uh, a little off its axis uh, since then. So I wanted to start, you know, I was like, all right, well, what can, what can we show of 9-11? And I have no doubt that uh, many of you that are on social media, or if you're watching cable news today, you know, they, they show the planes crashing, they, they show the horror afterwards, all, all of the stuff. Uh, but I wanted to show just one moment, and I think it was probably the moment that America, in many ways, at least related to 9-11, re related to that period of time in American history, uh, when we actually peaked, because this was uh, the World Series, this was President George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch of Game 3 of the 2001 World Series, which, uh, as you may remember, the World Series and virtually all of our sporting events, cultural events, et cetera, were, were delayed for a series of times. So this was the latest starting World Series, I think, in the history of baseball. This is Game 3 of the 2001 World Series. And just, I mean, you will get chills up your spine no, no matter how many times you've watched this. For tonight's ceremonial first pitch, and please welcome the President of the United States. I mean, still chills up my spine. As I said, I lived in New York City during that. I, I just want to mention one little personal story about 9-11 and everyone that lived in New York City or if you lived in D.C. or really, I mean, if you were alive in America at that time, you have some story of what it was like for you on that day. You didn't have to live in the exact spots that the attacks occurred to, to feel it, obviously. I lived on 90th and 1st in New York City, which was, that's Upper East Side. So in some ways, it's like polar opposite of where the Twin Towers were from downtown Manhattan. Uh, you got 90 plus blocks between the two and east side, west side. Uh, but I lived on 90th and 1st at the time, and that's about a block or two away from Gracie Mansion, which is the mayor's mansion. At the time, there was a re-election going on uh, for the mayor of New York City. And uh, I was doing stand-up at night. I was working all sorts of odd jobs during the day, so I was getting up late. And that morning, I had just got a cell phone. I remember it. It was a little Nokia. Remember those little, like, brick black and white cell phones. I had just got a cell phone. So that even that just talk about how time changes. So 2001, just got a cell phone and my cell phone rang and it was my dad. And my dad worked in Midtown Manhattan and his office building faced downtown towards the towers. And he said that a plane had hit. Did I see anything? Did I hear anything? Was I watching the news that a plane had hit one of the Twin Towers? And I turned on the TV and immediately, you know, I'm watching CNN and everything else. And then it was just, you know, we hung up the phone. No one realized it was an, an attack, a terrorist attack at the time. And then obviously a few minutes later, the, the second plane hit. And then the, the story that I want to tell you, because uh, everyone can tell you the story, the, the horror and the amount of people that died. And I had family members who were firefighters and 
all, all sorts of stuff. But I remember over the next couple of weeks in New York City, there was this, this unbelievably, like it was this unbelievably awful feeling and then also like an, an incredible feeling that started to emerge of sort of brotherhood and decency. You know, people in New York City, like honking of horns was not happening as much and screaming at each other, all, all of the stuff that we can kind of joke about New York City back in the day versus what now New York City has become like the, the heart of New York City. Um, it, it was it was ripped out and then it was kind of rebuilding. There was like this new brotherhood there. Anyway, a few weeks after 9-11, this is probably about two weeks after, in those first two weeks, everybody basically stayed at home watching TV the entire time. Uh, I had friends that couldn't get out of the city for a couple of days that were working in New York City that were staying with us for a couple of days. My dad had a few of his coworkers stay at my grandmother who lived in New York City because they couldn't get out of the city. I mean, there was all, all sorts of craziness. Anyway, after 10 days or two weeks or so, I finally was like, I have to get out of the house, I, I, I out of the apartment. I got to just like see what life is. And I remember uh, you could still smell like the soot and the all of all of just the carnage and the smoke and everything. You could still smell it. And again, I'm 90 some odd blocks away. This is two weeks later. But I thought, all right, I'm going to go play basketball. So I went by Gracie Mansion. I took my basketball and I went over to the court uh, just to like find some guys to play pickup or I was just going to shoot around or something. And I get involved in a game and we're playing and it's weird. It's weird. It's like nobody's talking. Nobody's trash talking. It's just like weird. Nobody knew if we even should be there or, or it was just weird. And uh, we're getting into it. And then two guys, uh, one guy goes up hard. He gets hit by the other guy and they get into each other's faces. And I kid you not, I cannot describe this properly. They were about to beat the shit out of each other. Like you could see it happening. I can picture it in slow motion. And they both started crying right in front of each other. And they like kind of hugged and, and I don't even think they knew each other. And then everyone else on the court, like we all just kind of were like, all right, everybody calm down. I don't know, for some reason that feeling, that thing sticks out to me just on a personal note. I thought I would share that. I've, I've shared that once or twice over the years, but I thought that would be an interesting way uh, to talk about today's show because we are in all of this together as crazy as it all is, and you like this candidate, and I like this candidate, and the Democrats are doing this, and the Republicans are doing this. It's like, if this experiment is going to continue, we are gonna have to figure out a way to get a little bit of that decency, that brotherhood, that sense of, you know, oh, this is a country of different people, and we're gonna make this thing work. We gotta get it back. It is going to be very difficult, because uh, the entire machine, as I often talk about, it is set up to, put us against each other. It is set up to have us in constant opposition and angry at each other and angry at the wrong people while it continues to attain power. And so now what I wanna do with the show today is talk about how legitimate and illegitimate crises often advance the power that the machine has, right? And so there are legitimate crises, let's say we get attacked like we were attacked on 9-11, but then do we maybe attack the wrong country after, that becomes illegit illegitimate. Uh, from what's going on with Ukraine right now to the sudden COVID thing that we seem to be bringing back to the system wanting to push everyone into climate change lockdowns. So the whole idea of the show today is the lessons that we can learn from our, our post 9-11 response. And we will end it, I promise you, in an inspiring and positive way. Uh, before we get to all that, let me talk to you guys about Patriot Supply. It's kind of the right sponsor for today's show. Uh, do you ever get the feeling that something bad is about to happen? Well, I do. Uh, between the distractions and smoke screens in the media, we probably won't see it coming, which is why it's smart to invest in emergency food right away. As they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high quality emergency food. Head to my website, preparewithruben.com, and you'll save $200 on your three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. Enjoy a wide variety of delicious meals offering 2,000, over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength under stress. Stock up before panic sets in. Free shipping is automatic and your order ships fast. Go to preparewithruben.com, preparewithruben.com, and now back to me. Okay, so how can I do a show on the anniversary of 9-11 without being crazily partisan and adding to all of the mess. Well, I'm going to try in a very sober way to talk about all of the things happening right now and reflect on some of the, as I said earlier, some of the mistakes that we made that got us into wars and all of the craziness that kind of leads us to the, to the weirdness that we're in right now, okay? So uh, 
what's the war happening right now? Well, it's this Ukraine war, and it's a little unclear sort of why we're in it, how'd we get in it, are we actually declaring war? No. Has Congress ever voted to authorize war? No. Are we funding war? Yes. Does it seem like the machine wants to ramp up that war? Yes. So now I want to show you two videos here. Uh, this is Anthony Blinken and Mitch McConnell pushing for more funding for the Ukraine war. These are, both of these are just in the last couple of days. For Ukraine not only to survive, but to thrive, we're also supporting its efforts to rebuild from Russia's aggression. Uh, at the Ukraine Recovery Conference held in London a few months ago, I pledged that the United States would invest more than $520 million in making Ukraine's energy infrastructure, more than half of which has been destroyed by Russia, cleaner, more resilient, and more integrated with Europe. The President has, I think, been too slow to keep the commitments that he's made publicly, but at least He's supporting the effort. I think he could have done it more skillfully, but he is supporting the effort, and I intend to continue to support it, and I hope the majority of my colleagues will feel the same way. All right, so what's interesting about that is, as I said, I was trying not to do today's show in a hyper-partisan way. I try not to do that in general, but my feelings about things are what they are. But what I showed you right there was the Democrat Secretary of State. We need more money. More money for Ukraine, right? I think it was 525 million. We've given them billions, but more money for their energy sector, blah, blah, blah. And then what is he in, a, 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 or who's in agreement with him? Well, it's the Republican uh, majority leader, right? And he's in agreement, yes, more money. I wish Joe would do it faster. We've just got to pour more money into this. And I just want to ask you this, if you're an American watching this show, does it seem like your hard-earned tax money should be going to funding this war that, again, we have not declared as a war, as if America doesn't have enough problems on its own, crumbling infrastructure, we don't protect our own border, we seem more interested in protecting Ukraine's border than our border. I'm not even a complete, absolute isolationist. I think there are moments uh, that you have to use the military. I believe in a strong military, mostly so that you don't have to use it. Uh, but this endless funding of this of this thing that nobody really knows what's going on uh, does seem like a problem. And it does seem like a particular problem when you think about it from the context that for some reason, most of the Democrats and most of the Republicans are into it. So now I'm going to segue to Woody Harrelson. How I did that, I don't know. But Woody Harrelson, actor, kind of comedian, bothead, Woody Harrelson, you may remember this. He was uh, guest hosting Saturday Night Live about six months ago. We showed you this video. Uh, and I thought it kind of framed what we're talking about here quite well relative to the machine always kind of getting what the machine wants. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? Okay, so obviously what he's talking about there is COVID and vaccines and everything else. He goes on later to talk about how the war machine does it, and I will connect that to how the war machine after 9-11 lied us into wars using the politicians who were kind of just puppets for the whole thing. Uh, but now speaking of COVID. Uh, well, you might find this interesting. The U.S. Open was over the weekend. You might have heard about that. And uh, guess who was uh, advertising and sponsoring the U.S. Open with their shot of the day segment? Shot of the day, the gall of these people. Take a look. Uh, oh, boy. Well, we'll take you to the Moderna's shot of the day. And it was... Saving the, the match point. point. Oh, the match. match point to get to number 24. There were a lot of shots that, that were highly impactful. But here's the final one. Another day at the office. <laughs> Relief and release there. So the shot of the day brought to you by Moderna. Shot of the day brought to you by Moderna. Like they're still doing it, guys, right? 
you'll see how I'm connecting this to the war thing, but they're still doing it. The shot of the day, just like we've shown you all those videos of Pfizer who sponsors all of the media that, you know, sort of the NPC people are watching, right? You turn on CNN, you turn on ABC News, NBC News, and it's always brought to you by Pfizer. Uh, well, the guy they showed there during the shot of the day, that was Novak Djokovic. And uh, yeah, he won the U.S. Open. So I thought we'd show you that. 24 and counting. 24 and he still wants more. That's who he is. Plot twist, guys. Novik Djokovic, who now is widely thought as the greatest tennis player in the history of the sport, 24 Grand Slam championships. Uh, you may remember that he was not allowed to compete in the U.S. for over two years. He was not allowed to compete in the Australian Open a couple years ago because, yeah, he is unvaxxed. So suck that, Moderna. You might remember this from February of 22. Uh, this was a BBC reporter asking him if it was worth it to not get vaxxed. I understand the consequences of my decision. And one of the consequences of my decision was not going to Australia and I was prepared not to go. And I understand that not being vaccinated today, I, you know, I'm unable to travel to most of the tournaments at the moment. And, and that's the price you're willing to pay? I, that, that is the price that I'm willing to pay. Ultimately, are you prepared to forego the chance to be the greatest player that ever picked up a racket, statistically, because you feel so strongly about this jab? Yes. I do. But as things stand, if this means that you miss the French Open, is that a price you'd be willing to pay? Yes, that is the price that I'm willing to pay. And if it means that you miss Wimbledon this year, again, that's a price you're willing to pay? Yes. Why, Novak? Why? Why do you... Because the principles of uh, decision-making on my body uh, are more important than any title or anything else. I'm, I'm trying to be in tune with my body um, as much as I possibly can. I don't know who that journalist, air quotes journalist is, but what a pathetic, embarrassing hack. What a sycophant for the machine. And we know literally hundreds of these types of people that operate in mainstream media. But what, what a beautiful answer. I have some autonomy over my body. I will make decisions for myself. If you watch the extended portion of the interview, he talks about his diet, he talks about his exercise regimen, um, and guess what? He turned out to be right. So how are our brilliant sports slash uh, political analysts dealing with uh, Djokovic winning again? This is Keith Olbermann. Now, Keith Olbermann used to be on ESPN when ESPN was great. Uh, he was on MSNBC. He has completely lost his mind. This might be a little gratuitous, but here's what he said about Novik Djokovic winning. Can we get this effing vaccine needle phobic fraud Djokovic off my TV and get to the baseball game? Like what is genuinely like, what is wrong with these people at this point? And vaccine needle phobic. Well, first off, it has become very, very clear that the vac vaccines certainly don't work as promised. There's a lot of evidence that they don't work at all. And now there's increasing evidence that they are causing more injuries than they, than they were ever uh, repressing risk as it came related to COVID, okay? So what is wrong with these people, right? Why is it that they still are pushing this stuff? Well, they're also pushing the craziness because they went so deep in on it, right? If you were demanding that people got fired from their jobs, if you were demanding that kids have to wear masks and schools be closed and everything, it's hard to get out of that hole. You just keep going and going and going. I, I am very, I don't know what it is in me that, or in all of the craziness, the crazier it got, I think the more I pushed against it, and I'm guessing that's probably at least partly why you watch this, watch this program. Uh, but you know, the truth is coming out and more and more people are realizing uh, that maybe they shouldn't have got the vaccine. I, I, this one we saw last week, I wanted to get it on the show last week. It fits here perfectly. My friend, and I would say colleague to some extent, uh, she'll be on the show again in a couple of weeks, uh, Megan Kelly has just announced that she now has an autoimmune issue 
uh, which her doctor told her is likely because of getting the COVID vaccine. I regret getting the vaccine, even though I'm a 52-year-old woman, because I don't think I needed it. I think I would have been fine. I got COVID many times, and I it was well past when the vac- vaccine was doing what it was supposed to be doing. Um, and then for the first time, I tested positive for an autoimmune issue at my annual physical. Hmm. And I asked, I went to the best rheumatologist in New York, and I asked her, do you think this could have to do with the fact that I got the damn booster and then got COVID within three weeks? And she said, yes, yes, I wasn't the only one she'd seen. All right, so now does that make Megyn Kelly a conspiracy theorist? Does it make her a crazy person or a tinfoil hat wearer or any of that stuff? She got a vaccine that she kind of got coerced into, as she's saying, like she didn't really feel like she needed it. She had already... She did it post finding out it was already a little shady in the first place. And now she has this autoimmune issue. Um, I I don't know anything beyond that related to her health, but I I certainly hope that uh, she's okay. But we all know people like that. I know a guy in his early 20s who never had heart issues, who now has heart issues. I know two or three people that are having shingles related things and balancing related things and someone having vision related things, all post-vax. Now, are they all definitely connected to vax? I don't know. I don't know, but we were sold a lie on this stuff. And why do you think so many people fell for it? Because we get hit constantly, every day, with this endless propaganda machine, whether it is either propaganda as it relates to war, which again, I'm gonna bring this whole thing around, I promise you, or whether it's vaccines or climate change or anything else. And, and it happens so fast now because of social media, we don't even notice the hypocrisy. Here is Joe Biden in September of 21 uh, and Pfizer CEO Albert Borla in January of 22 talking about vax efficacy and see if you note the difference. I want to emphasize that the vaccines provide very strong protection from severe illness from COVID-19. The two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection. So there you have it. Joe Biden had no idea what he was saying, right? He's just reading it off a teleprompter, right? Just like in uh, June of 21, when he said, if you get the vaccine, you will not get nor transmit COVID. He had no idea to say it, but he said it because he read off a script because he basically is an actor and not a particularly good one. And then you have the head of Pfizer who originally said the vaccines work, then saying you need two and then you need three and a booster, blah, blah, blah. And then again, they have no evidence whether this basically saved anybody at this point. And yet the machine still, the corporate machine still puts these people on television. Even this past weekend, yeah, Fauci, the man should be in a cave somewhere where no one will ever see him again, right? I don't even think you have to, I don't think you have to put him in jail. I think there's reasons that you probably could, but how about just go to a cave and disappear forever? But instead, Fauci is on ABC over the weekend, pushing the Pfizer vax. I believe we should give the choice to people who are not in the high risk groups to have the vaccine available for them. Because again, we have experience with this type of vaccine in billions of people. It's a safe vaccine. Of course, with the mRNA, there's a very, very, very low risk, particularly in young men of getting a myocarditis. But if you look at the risk of myocarditis from COVID itself is greater than the risk of the vaccine. Okay, And And so from my own personal standpoint, yeah, I would say that make it available for everyone, but certainly recommend it for the high risk people. I have to say, Anthony Fauci, if you're watching this show, thank God more and more people are tuning you out. I get it. They'll put you on corporate press. They'll keep putting you up there. I believe we should give the choice. Well, no one's saying there shouldn't be a choice. I I suppose there are some people who should say we should outlaw these vaccines altogether and we should shelve mRNA technology and Lord only knows what that's unleashing in all of us and everything else. But most people are basically saying, okay, if you want the vax, have the vax. So you're not even, you're really not even saying anything. But the, the broader point is that they are still dragging this guy out and it's not just him, right? It's not just Pfizer, and NIH and CDC and Fauci and Burks and all of these people that they still keep putting out there. It's the politicians who got bamboozled by them. So I hate to do this, but I think it is worth showing again. Donald Trump, re-election, 
in 2020 put this ad out. Now he's lying every day about Florida and he's lying every day about COVID vaccines and all of that stuff. So I think it is worth noting, it's not just Fauci who was lying. Well, just look at this. The president has listened to what I have said and what the other people on the task force have said. The first and only time that I went in and said we should do mitigation strongly, the response was yes, we'll do it. When he suggests, why don't we do this? And I say, no, that's really not a good idea from a scientific standpoint. He has never overruled me. The travel was another recommendation. When we went in and said, we probably should be doing that. And the answer was yes. When I've made recommendations, he's taken them. And then another time was we should do it with Europe. And the answer was yes. He's never counted or overridden me. And the next time we should do it with the UK. And the answer was yes. I never, in the multiple times that I've done that, where I said, for scientific reasons, we really should do this, that he hasn't said, let's do it. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president to actually have a, quote, shutdown. The president listened to the recommendation and went to the mitigation. You know, Connor just made a great point, which is that it's a weird ad, even if he was right about all of those things, because at that point, it's Trump basically saying Fauci should be president or Fauci was president, right? But of course he was wrong about all of those things. But anyway, I bring this up, not even to make it specifically about Trump, although Trump has lied about the response relentlessly, as you know. The point is that the swamp is everybody. It's all of these people, right? Trump was supposed to be the most anti-swamp, but he handed the keys to the kingdom to the swamp. But of course, it's not just the, the health officials like health officials like Fauci or, or the politicians that hand them the keys to the kingdom. It's also the mainstream media people who push endless nonsense over and over. We haven't showed a video of this woman in, in a long time. She may be, this is Liana Wu. Remember this Liana Wu on CNN? This woman may have been the worst of all of the people that corporate media pushed out to propagate lies, to scare the hell out of you, to get needles into children and lock kids down and all of the horrible things. She may have been the worst and we're showing her again. So enjoy. I have an almost four-year-old and a one-year-old. I cannot wait until they're eligible to receive the vaccine. I think until then, mask wearing for kids, especially if we are living in high transmission areas, is still going to be important. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. I mean, we wouldn't imagine bringing together 20, 30 unvaccinated adults, putting them in a single room together the entire day and have them not wear masks. Why would we say that that's okay for our children? Travel and having the right to travel interstate, it's not a constitutional right as far as, I'm, as, far as I know to, um, to, to, uh, to board a plane. And so saying that if you want to stay unvaccinated, that's your choice. But if you want to travel, you better go get that vaccine. I agree that masks are a very powerful layer of protection, but it's one layer. And if we have so many other layers that are present, masking may be one that could go away. But we are nowhere near that yet. And I think what we really need to do is get the vaccines authorized for children as soon as that's possible. Leanna Wen, by the way, uh, she is the former director of Planned Parenthood. That's an interesting one. So she's really into injecting kids with things. And if she can't kill them earlier than that, uh, she is now the public health professor at George Washington uh, University, which is just really absolutely insane. I guess CNN even got rid of her, but I'm playing all of this again to show you the theme that there are these liars, these people that confuse us and that it's going to keep happening, whether it's war in Ukraine, whether it's COVID too, whether it's climate or whatever else. And I think perhaps more importantly than anything else, we must remove these people from public life who lie about everything, who go against our constitutional rights. There's no constitutional right to being on a plane. Like these people are insane. Absolutely insane. And perhaps, you know, I said that she was the worst of all of them, but from a political perspective, I think it's very clear.
that the worst of all of our political leaders during COVID was the evil snake person, the lizard man himself, Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom is prepping right now to run for president of the United States when they push Joe Biden aside. That is, that is a fact. I don't think that's conjecture or anything else. It is obviously happening. It's obviously in the works. So he was on Meet the Press yesterday uh, and Chuck Todd asked him about his COVID response. During COVID, um, you, you were pretty strict with the lockdowns here. And uh, there was an interesting piece in Harper's that sort of was critical of your decisions from this perspective. You found a way to allow the motion picture industry and, Southern, and, the, and the sort of the movie industry to get back to work. But you didn't allow people to grieve together at funerals or at churches. And that it sort of, and that this may be why there's such a polarized disconnect. What, what you prioritize, right, this is this anger between the populace and the elite, supposedly. Here, you prioritize this industry, but, you, you know, you were tougher on those that just wanted to go worship. Um, a, what do you say to that, Chris? I think there's a lot of humility, and we didn't know what we didn't know. And it was hardly I, uh, it was we. Collectively, and I think all of us, in, in terms of our collective wisdom, we've evolved. We didn't know what we didn't know. We're experts in hindsight. We're all geniuses. But now think about what we prior, what, you prior, what you ended up collectively prioritizing. You're prioritizing right. industry, you know, well, in one, and, and one specific one, but then didn't prioritize maybe ones that whose maybe values you didn't connect with. Well, I don't think it's a binary. There was iterations within that theme. Gavin Newsom is the devil. He is a truly evil, like I, there is no other way to describe it. Even now, he can't fully apologize. Now, Donald Trump can't either, right? But Donald Trump is not known for humility. Democrats are supposed to be nice, aren't they? What, what an evil motherfucker. Now, I, I want to thank him, actually, because because of him, I moved my family and two companies and all the people in this room to the free state of Florida, and our lives are all flourishing. But he has demolished that state. He kept his winery open. He has a 40-acre winery up by Napa. He managed to keep that open while he kept other wineries closed. He locked people in their houses while he was having dinner at French Laundry, one of the most expensive restaurants in the United States, with, with lobbyists. He is absolutely evil. He can't show contrition. And he can't even put it on his lips. He can't even put it on himself. He's the governor. Oh, it wasn't I. It was we, our collective wisdom. Well, why did I know plenty of people that did not want to get vaxxed and that didn't want to lose their minds and go crazy. And I personally know because I met them at protests against him, people, most of whom were Democrats. They were just Democrats who were mugged by reality, who all become conservatives, who, who now hate him and actively were working to get him recalled and everything else. These were not extremists. These were people who just wanted to live their lives, right? And who does this guy go after more than anyone else? Well, of course he goes after Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis, not to say Ron DeSantis didn't lock down and everything else in those first few weeks of COVID, but as new information came in, he then led the comeback out of the COVID craziness. But now Newsom is spending all damn day trying to take out DeSantis. I want to make one note, which is a bit of a sidebar. Uh, that Meet the Press yesterday, that was Chuck Todd's last show ever. We covered it a couple of months back. He has officially stepped down or been fired. You never know what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, but it is worth noting that when he took that show over 10 years ago, it was number one uh, in the Sunday talk shows. Uh, it was dead last as of last week. So <laughs> anyway, what's, uh, what else is going on in California? Because California is ground zero for the insanity. And trust me, guys, they want to put it on steroids and export it all over the country. So this is absolutely wild. This is a guy named Tony Thurmond. He is the California State Superintendent of Public Instruction. Uh, and here he is going after parents who wanna know a bit more about what their kids are learning and whether teachers are telling boys that they're girls. We wanna to turn to education for tonight's newsmaker. With book bans and LGBTQ plus students feeling unwelcome in places across the country, one state is fighting back. California. The governor, Gavin Newsom, and Democrats in Sacramento, they're rolling out new penalties for school districts that break states' rules, among them threatening a $1.5 million fine to a school district that refuses to back a state curriculum, mentioning the late California gay rights leader Harvey Milk. Investigations in the board decisions by conservatives, new laws to punish schools that ban books, and just the last week, a new lawsuit against the school district that's challenging a policy 
that requires schools to notify families when a child says they identify as transgender or use different names or pronouns. One of the people leading that charge is Tony Thurman. He's California's state superintendent of public instruction and is exploring a run for governor. And he's joining me now. Mr. Superintendent, thanks for joining us on this. Appreciate it. Um, so only a me. handful of blue states have taken any direct action against school boards. Um, New Jersey, Illinois, um, that is to name a few. None, though, as aggressive as California. Why take these steps now? You know, our students are calling out and asking for help against MAGA extremists who are threatening them, literally threatening them. And sadly, the actions of some of the board majorities in our state are leading to violence against uh, those uh, who are in the LGBTQ plus community and against students of color. There is so much there. I mean, first off, the way MSNBC, the televised mental institution, the way that they frame that whole thing, but okay, fine. Uh, the fact that this guy, they're already teasing him. You can see the way the machine is going. Oh, we're teasing him as he may run for governor because you know what? Oh, that Gavin Newsom guy, he's going to be running for president. You can see it, guys. Like, just look through the thing and start seeing it. And then, of course, this guy, he wants to go after school boards. The better way to be framing that is you're going against parents. Parents are on school boards. They're interested in a little transparency. They want to know what their kids are learning, who's teaching them these things, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to fine school boards $1.5 million if you don't learn about Harvey Milk. Uh, I'm guessing that in most of these schools, they don't teach that Harvey Milk was also having an affair with a 16-year-old boy. Uh, yeah, Google it for yourself. But okay, fine, fine. Uh, here he is, the same guy. Uh, they had one of these school board meetings and the parents have had it with him and he actually got thrown out of a school board meeting, which must prove his theory about magic, MAGA extremism, sure. You'll not bully us here in Chino. Please see. Point of order. In Chino. Point We're going to take a five minute break. Chaos in Chino as the state superintendent of public instruction is escorted out of the public meeting of the Board of Education. Um, but what I saw here tonight was just catering uh, to a mob mentality um, that has disregard for the safety of many of our students who are vulnerable and at risk. Emotions explode as the state superintendent ends his public comment period, bringing a heated exchange with the school board president. As a point of order, as the board point of president. Order, this is not your meeting. You may have a seat because if I did that to you in Sacramento, you would not accept it. Please sit. You're not going to blackmail us. All this as emotions run high with the Chino Valley Unified School District set to vote on a controversial proposal. It would require teachers and school staff to notify parents if a child identifies as transgender. Even the way that was framed, and that was Fox, it's controversial to know if your kid is being secretly taught that they're a girl if they're actually a boy. That's not, that should not be controversial. It's only controversial because you people keep saying it's controversial. Anyway, God bless these parents that there are still a few sane people in California. And by the way, guys, Florida's closed. You can't come here anymore. Uh, you, you go to Texas if you want. You cannot come to Florida. I, something happened. That, there's like gators everywhere. It, it's a real situation. Uh, but no, look, joking aside, the fact that these, that these parents are stepping up and that this guy has the balls this guy has the balls to say, oh, it's these, it's mob extremists. It's the MAGA extremist mob mentality. It's parents who are invested in their own children's current reality and future. You evil freaks. Speaking of freaks, uh, the mayor of Burbank, California, got spanked by a drag queen over the weekend in front of children. Uh, we're going to cut the audio on this because they were playing Macho Man uh, by the village people, and we don't want to get a strike on the channel, but I think you'll get the point. I mean, do I even have to comment on this stuff? Like, what is the, that, that's the mayor of Burbank being spanked. Uh, but let's continue, because there is this ab- absolutely insane uh, bill being passed in California right now. We talked about it a bit uh, in July when it started working its way through the system and people were like, oh, it's never going to happen. And I was like, of course it's going to happen. It's Cali. There is no crazy too crazy for California. Uh, but there is a bill being passed right now that if you as a parent do not affirm whatever gender your child says they are, which will most likely be pushed on them by a state activist masquerading as a teacher, that the state can actually take 
your child away. And guess what? It is going to pass. Of course it is going to pass. Here is California State Representative Lori Wilson. She is the one who authored this bill. And oh, you're not going to believe it. She has a trans child herself. What are the chances? And listen to her on why it's so important to pass this bill. That parents affirm their children. They have since the dawn of time. Typically, it happens when their um, gender identity expression matches their biological gender. But what happens is when it doesn't, that's when the affirmation starts to wane. And that's what we're dealing with here. Although it's called the TGI bill, they're not mentioned anywhere in the law. What's mentioned in the law is the child's gender identity and expression and the parent's affirmation of that, whatever it is, because that is our duty as parents to affirm our children. That woman is a crazy lunatic and I don't care if she talks like this to make it seem like what she's saying is sensible because it is all jack shit. Your, your responsibility as a parent is to protect your child, to teach your child truth and hopefully give them the tools to go out into a difficult world and have some of the requisite uh, needs taken care of so that they can get out there and, and flourish to the best of their ability. It is not to affirm everything your child says. Justin is now about 13 months. We gave him this little lion, Lululion. That's what we're calling him. Sort of sounds like Lululemon but we're calling him Lululion. And now Justin goes with the lion. If one day, five years from now, he's six years old and he says, daddy, I'm a lion. They know you are not a lion. You are a small boy pretending to be a lion. Okay. But then if the government said, no, we are putting him in a zoo with the other lions, this would be a problem. But patience, this is going to happen in California soon enough. Anyway, this lunatic, this woman is a complete and utter lunatic. They are mutilating children and being applauded as the tolerant and decent progressives, right? Uh, so she says what she wants at the hearing about this bill. And then a California Republican comes on and, and he starts talking. And you're not going to believe what happened when he started telling uh, a little bit of his side of the story. I want to get this out there. This is important that we know what the science and the information is saying. Even a recent follow-up study in 2021 found that of 139 participants, only 17 persisted in their gender identity. This was looking at young boys. 122, 87% went back to their biological sex. You can't have a... State your point of order. I'm limit on speeches. Yes, there is. Thank you, Assemblymember Gallagher. You were given that opportunity. Thank you, sir. All right. Yeah, they cut his mic. He's literally reading a study about boys converting and then deconverting, detransitioning, whatever you want to call it. And they cut his mic. So that is what's going on in the banana republic of California under the leadership of Gavin Newsom and the next Gavin Newsom and everything else. But let's continue on this train ride of insanity because the most recent jab or shot from the government uh, is not just about injecting you with stuff and chopping your kids' genitals off. It is directly now going after the Bill of Rights, in this case, the Second Amendment. As you probably saw over the last couple of days, uh, there is some crazy, I mean, this is really crazy stuff coming out of New Mexico. Uh, there was a shooting, and now New Mexico Democrat governor, surprise, surprise, Democrat governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, uh, she wants to suspend the right to carry a gun. I don't think that's something that she can do, but she said it, so watch this. All the examples you cited are crimes. Kids shooting at other kids, shooting from cars. So what's the value of the civil order? Why not just do better law enforcement? Both. The value of the order is, is that I'm, I, it gives me three things. One, it says it's a statewide issue and it's a message to everyone to start leveraging their resources and arresting people. Okay, there, uh, there was a further quote in there that we couldn't grab you the video in time, but she later went on to say, the amendments to the Constitution are not absolute. 100% uh, they are absolute. And we're up against an interesting thing here. 
Uh, because if this woman believes she can suspend parts of the Constitution because she has declared an emergency, have you heard that before? They declare an emergency, suddenly our right to assemble, remember that one, when they took that away during COVID? Now there's some sort of violent emergency. There was a shooting in New Mexico, not to diminish that, uh, but suddenly it's an emergency and now you can't have concealed carry anymore. They cannot suspend it unless they can. And that's the interesting part that I think we're going to start coming up against more and more. If we let them, and this is why I always thought COVID was sort of a test for something much bigger. If we let them have their emergency, their faux emergency, or even, even if it was a real emergency, and then they said, oh boy, look at all the people who actually were willing to give up their right to peaceably assemble, right? They couldn't go to church. They couldn't go say goodbye to loved ones who are dying. They, they infringed on our constitutionally guaranteed God-given rights, then why wouldn't a New Mexico governor, and Democrats generally believe in power grabs, right? There's no crisis that they let go to waste. Why wouldn't she suspend the constitution or tell you that there's no absolute right if she can do it knowing that nothing's gonna happen to her? So when she says she can do it, in a certain respect, she's right. In the most cynical version of it, she's right. Unless the people rise up and get rid of these people, right? Vote these people out of office or put them in jail or impeach them, right? I guess you would impeach someone like that before putting them in jail. But what does this suspension of our God-given rights uh, because of a tragedy remind us of, right? 9-11, so now let's bring this thing back around. I wanna show you a video. Uh, this is Joe Biden, now President Joe Biden, or at least pretending to be President Joe Biden, uh, and former Senator John McCain the day after 9-11, and literally one day after 9-11, when we had virtually no idea, when the city, I mean, I, can, I, I still, I so vividly, like the reeling, the pain, the horror, that, that there were still people alive that they were gonna find over the next couple of days. But one day after 9-11, September 12th, 2001, Joe Biden and John McCain on TV, and guess what they were pushing for? No, it wasn't vaxes. No, it wasn't chopping kids' genitals off. It was the other thing, war. I believe there is absolute resolve on the part of you. For example, I was asked in an earlier program, would the American people use the uh, support the use of ground forces if we determined exactly what the target was? Classic question. My answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. This is a unprecedented attack upon the American people. They weren't willing to go. The entire British army was floating in the uh, in the uh, um, in, in the English Channel, and we did not react. But once Pearl Harbor was hit, we reacted. There's a fundamental difference you guys don't get. This is, in fact, an attack upon the United States. American citizens are dead. This is not Bosnia. This is not anything else. Former President Bush. Um, got an authorization from Congress, but there was an enemy you could identify, and there was a coalition exactly which was right. prepared to go to war. So if you have a who are we going to declare war against today? Well, as John McCain said earlier, I, I don't know who we declare war against. That's why I think the to meet the constitutional criteria under the War Powers Clause of the Constitution, you need only authorize the use of force. I'm sorry, we, we had a video of McCain. We're not going to put it in there, but he's referencing John McCain. I don't know who we're going to declare war against. Do you think there's something here? Do you think there is just something here? Well, I got a little more for you from that Joe Biden guy. And it's important that we don't forget what these people have done to this country in the 22 years since 9-11. That's probably the best way we can honor the almost 3,000 people who died, not to mention the hundreds of thousands of Iraqis who died. And I don't know how, it must be hundreds of thousands of uh, Afghanistanis and, and, and Afghanis and everything else. Uh, but here is Joe Biden in 2003. So there's a couple of years, obviously, after 9-11, defending that Democrat, Joe Biden, defending Republican George W. Bush because in his administration, we started finding out that they basically lied to us about the Iraq war. They lied to us about weapons of mass destruction. And here's Biden defending the Bush administration. Several senior people in the administration, the president, the vice president, made pretty definitive statements that there were weapons of mass destruction there. You all voted, both you and Senator Luger, for war authorization last October, I think based in part at least on these intelligence estimates or assessments. Do you feel you were misled in any way? No, look, here's where I start. 
There was a cataloging of the amount, the numbers of liters of VX, sarin gas, I mean, all the, all these biological, or mainly chemical weapons that was done by the uh, international community at the UN under Mr. Butler in 1998. It was clear that Saddam had these things. Every member of the Security Council knew it. And I think to the extent that was hyped by some in the administration, it was for public consumption and to try to get public support. Because remember, that kept fluctuating. It kept fluctuating. One day it would be 48% of the people and 54%. And I think uh, all administrations tend to do that. I remember the first Gulf War, we heard all this about babies being killed in Kuwait and the like. That wasn't the reason we went to Kuwait, but it was sort of icing on the cake to deal with public opinion, I think. Moment shock and awe started from that moment. I was opposed to the effort and I was outspoken. The, the rationale was that's the way to not go to war because I didn't believe he had those nuclear weapons. I didn't believe he had those weapons of mass destruction. Trusted George Bush to keep his word. He said he was not going to go into Iraq. He said he was only using this to unite the United Nations to insist we get inspectors in to see what Saddam was doing. Okay, so the second part of that, that's kind of the obvious part that now Joe Biden rewrites history and he's a liar and everything else. But the line in there all administrations lie. It's just icing on the cake to drum up fear so that we can get people to go to war. Joe, that's the part you're not supposed to say out loud. Now he mumbles things accidentally where he says things that he's not supposed to say. But back then he still had his faculties and that he basically was like, oh, we tell people there's dead babies because we need to you know, get the numbers up so we can get to this freaking war. And that's what they do with everything. And do you know what the next thing they are going to do with it? To do with it is, it's climate change. It's on the way, lockdowns and everything else. Get out of your car. Don't get in the airplane, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the elderly man pretending to be President Joe Biden was in Vietnam this weekend. And here he is, fear-mongering. Do you think maybe he wants to get public opinion up enough so that they can go ahead and do something about climate change? And the only existential threat humanity faces, even more frightening than a, than a nuclear war, is global warming going above 1.5 degrees in the next 20, 10 years. And we're in be real trouble. There's no way back from that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought white supremacy was the most existential threat. That's what I've been worried about. I wake up every morning, I go, we still here because of the white people, they're freaking me out. Do you see what they're doing? Global climate change and whether the temperature of the ocean raises a little bit or any of this, you're gonna be okay. It's not to say we can't do some things on the margins and you can't do little things in your life to feel better about the environment or we can't look at ways to get off fossil fuels and everything else. But you know what? If we get off fossil fuels tomorrow the way these freaks would like us to, we're gonna kill an awful lot of people who need fossil fuels to stay warm. But do you see, it's the same thing. They want, which, just poll. Can I get a poll out of three of you guys? Who's more afraid of climate change than nuclear war? Nobody, nobody. Yes, a nuke dropping, a nuclear disaster. How about Russia with nukes and all of the confusion around what's going on with Ukraine? And if we got Putin to the end, that Putin might be like, all right, I'm gonna, we got some nuclear subs around. That is way scarier. But so they don't want you to think that the scary things are scary and they want you to things, think things that you can have absolutely no control over are the scary things and that they can have no control over like these idiots could control the weather like their Cobra from G.I. Joe in 1984. Uh, anyway, it's not going well for Joe Biden because not only is he lying about climate change, obviously, uh, he also had a complete brain meltdown mid-sentence during this press conference and they actually had to cut him off and bait, well, just watch. We talked about, we talked about at the conference overall, we talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the, uh, excuse me, third world, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Southern hemisphere had access to change it, had access. We, it wasn't confrontational at all. You came up with thank, thank you everybody. This ends thank, the press thank, conference. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you. with every person I met with. Mr. President, are you worried about your son being indicted, Mr. President?
like the cocktail party music. Like, like they're just like, play them off. Make people think they're drinking champagne. Nobody will notice what's really going on here. Like, this is so insane. It's ridiculous. It, it really is. We're, we're almost to the, to the end, guys. So what, what is the point of all of this? The point of all of this is that there are lying liars who do this over and over again. And the themes that they, that they lie about always somehow give them more power and take away more autonomy. Whether it's New Mexico with the guns, whether it's COVID, whether it's taking away parental rights related to their kids, whether it's lying us into war, whether it's making you afraid of the climate instead of nukes, all of these things. And it's all because of lies. And not enough of us call out the lies. It's one of the reasons I've been very critical of Trump lately, who, as you know, I supported last time. And, and obviously I would vote for instead of Biden. Uh, but his endless lying about Florida and DeSantis and everything else, that is not going to save us either. We need people to stop lying. Cue Jordan Peterson. If you decide to lie, you're making the assumption that escaping scot-free or obtaining an undeserved advantage will pay off over the long run, all things considered. And you have no evidence for that at all. You know, and everyone knows this. You can do something stupid to get out of a jam and get away with it. But the chickens come home to roost, and virtually everyone knows that. So you're going to evince faith in one strategy or another, or you're going to lie sometimes and tell the truth other times. And I wouldn't recommend that at all, because all that does is make you one confused person. So you're playing both ends against the middle. When Christ comes back in the book of Revelation, he says the worst form of hell is reserved for the people who play both ends against the middle. All right. So maybe... Maybe if we called out the liars a little bit more, the liars who are still in charge, right? I'm showing you Joe Biden from 20 years ago, and now he's lying about climate change now. He doesn't even, he doesn't even know what he's saying, so I can't even call what he's doing at this point lies, right? It's just muddled incomprehension. But all of the people behind everything right now, they have lied about everything, and nobody seems to pay the price. So I, I don't know what we all do with that individually. I don't know what you do with it exactly, other than you can, you can not do it in your own private life, you cannot do it in your personal life, you cannot do it with your friends and family. And again, this is how you build up good, common sense, decent communities from the bottom up, so that one day, you're not living in a place like California and some administrator is like, oh, you didn't affirm what I say your kid says he is? We're literally taking your children away. They will take your children away in that godforsaken communist shithole and people will allow it. It is absolutely incredible. So look, we were full circle, let's do it. We were incredibly united after 9-11. And the question is, is the only way to get to some feeling of, of being united is it only through tragedy? Maybe it is. Like, maybe that's where we're at as a society right now. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe if enough of us started telling the truth, started pushing the liars to the margins, and that, and that truth became the important thing. Right now, we're, the lies are the middle. The lies are the meat. And truth is on the margins. But how about we reverse that, right? How about we flip that thing on its head? Then America's best days can be ahead of themselves, can be ahead of where we're at right now, right? It could be tomorrow instead of yesterday. That's the possibility. So now, one more for you. Uh, this is Ronald Reagan talking about America's best days. And I think the question is, is this what we want or not? It's probably up to us. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. America's best days are yet to come. Our proudest moments are yet to be our most glorious achievements are just ahead. America remains what Emerson called her 150 years ago, the country of tomorrow. May every dawn be a great new beginning for America and every evening bring us closer to that shining city upon a hill. Can't say it much better than old Ron, can ya? Guys, it's me Monday over at the RubenReport.locals.com community. Here's the one that I put up this morning. I, I had two posts about 9-11, then we were just doing something a little silly here. America should accept illegal immigrants. Then the guy puts the, the pipe in his own wheel. Let's establish sanctuary cities. Why should Republicans send illegal immigrants to us? Why would Republicans send illegal immigrants to us? Uh, if you want to join us for more of that sort of hilarity, RubenReport.locals.com. 
dot com. And uh, we leave you with a cold close. Uh, this is a little bit of a, a, can we call this an AI mashup? I don't want to confuse people and be sued. This is some sort of AI mashup. Post game show on the other side. See ya. We will be encouraging, as I have said before, Americans to get their updated COVID-19 vaccine. We know, we know that these vaccines work, right? We know when people stay up to date with their vaccine, that works. Uh, and so uh, that's where uh, I, I'll certainly uh, leave that. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.